Good morning, Cross Point Church. It's great to see you this morning. How many of you are excited about being here this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that I'm here. I, I look forward to Sunday mornings because I get an opportunity to come and just hang out with you guys and see you and catch up with a lot of what's going on in your life and, and just in the conversations that we have in the hallways and, and whatnot, but also just the opportunity we have to come and worship together uh, as a faith family. To me, I don't know about you, I think this is the same for you, but it's just so encouraging to have a place like this where we can come and, and be one big family worshiping together, a, a, a community that God has put together. And so I'm excited about this. That's why I ask that most every week. I hope that you Two are excited about being a part of something that God is, is doing in our, in our midst, and, and it's, it's just so amazing. You know, there are a lot of exciting things going on this week uh, that we have happening. Right now, we have a mission team in Raleigh, North Carolina, helping Trey Brinson and the church up there that he planted, and, uh, and so they're serving up there. Next week, we got a team going out, many of you that are going to Chicago, Illinois, to, to be a part of a, a, a big work there. That I think there's about 60 of us leaving here next week, headed up there, and uh, going to be helping Jamie Thompson and uh, that work up there. But a lot of exciting things happen in the life of the church, and we obviously need to remember those, those mission t uh, trips. Also, if you're a part of a, a life group, if you're enrolled in a life group here at the church, let me just say this, that this week you will be getting an, a special invitation from your, from your life group leader to participate in something very exciting. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, I'll just I'll just let it go at that, uh, a little teaser that I throw out there to you, but uh, be, be listening to, uh, out for your life group leader to contact you this week and to, to invite you to something special. Then also remember, as we get ready to pray this morning in, in uh, preparation for the reading and preaching of God's Word, uh, just be remembering our women's ministry. Uh, we have a lot of women in Callaway Gardens today. Uh, this weekend, they've been up there on, on a retreat, and so just remember them as well, but but it's good to see you this morning. I'm excited about the message as we continue in our series called Don't Waste Your Summer. And, uh, and I hope it's been as good for you as it has been for me. Spence and I and the, and the worship team were talking this morning about just the, the way this has challenged us to, to think about how we live our life for Jesus and how we shouldn't, just because it's summer, put all that on the shelf. And so uh, it's, been a, it's been a very challenging time for me, and I hope it has been for you. But let's pray. And then we're going to dive into God's Word together this morning. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this time together that we've had and, and, and just a spirit of worship. Lord, we've gathered in this place as a faith family. Lord, thankful for you and who you are and God, what you mean to us. Father, we thank you for uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to die on the cross for the, for the atonement of sin. And Father, that we can have, through an authentic relationship with him, that we can have the gift of salvation and eternal life. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit of God, which, Lord, uh, just convicts and challenges and leads and guides us every single day. We thank you for your presence in our life. And Father, we thank you for this time today where we can gather and we can worship together as a community. Father, we can come together this this faith family that you have put together. And God, we can celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we praise you. and We thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality that, that each week we have the opportunity to dive into your word and to see, God, just how relevant it is for our life. 
And so this morning, Father, we pray that as we do that, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to to realize, God, the things that you want to challenge us with today. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines and we've talked about how spiritual disciplines are really very personal actions that we take to ensure that we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Things like spending time in prayer. You know, those things don't come natural to us. We have to discipline ourselves to spend time in prayer or to read scripture or to meditate and fast. Whatever it is that we're looking at, those spiritual disciplines are typically very personal things that we do to ensure that we're growing uh, and maturing as followers in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning I want to talk about one that involves each other. I want to talk about a spiritual discipline that involves us coming together. It's one that includes other people. And this morning what we're going to be talking about is gathering together. Exactly what's taking place right now in this room. As the body of Christ comes together and they meet and they gather together You know, God has a way of transforming hearts and minds. God has a way of of radically transforming uh, lives in such a way that that, uh, he creates in us this desire to follow him, to worship him, to to live for him. The Apostle Paul said once, he says, to to live as Christ, to die as gain, talking about just that that reality that he he is sold out to Jesus. And so God has a way of transforming our hearts, and we begin to see this radical shift that takes place from who we once were as someone who was lost and and without Christ to someone who is now alive and living for Jesus. And so we see this radical shift, but in that life transformation, in that, that radical shift that takes place, God also takes his children, he takes his disciples, and he brings them together. He, he encourages them to seek one another out. And, and what we see all across this world is we see local bodies of believers coming together and gathering together for the sake of worshiping collectively to the Lord, you see, and encouraging one another and, and praying together and just really doing the mission of God together. And so we want to look at that this morning because gathering together is one of the most important elements of any faith family. We do not need to ever come to a place, even during the midst of summer when we're on vacation and we're, we're sort of relaxed and we've kicked off our shoes and we're walking around in flip-flops, we, we don't need to, to live out our summer and, and throw our spiritual disciplines on the shelf and we certainly don't need to neglect gathering together. I love what N.T. Wright, he's a New Testament scholar, and uh, he he once wrote these words uh, talking about the church and the value of a faith family. He said this, he says, the church exists primarily uh, for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. But the church also exists for a third purpose, which serves the other two. To encourage one another, to build one another up in faith, to pray with and for one another, to learn from one another and to teach one another and to set one another examples to follow, challenges to take up 
an urgent task to perform. And so here he lays out some of the the values of a faith family. He lays out the reason why, by God's design, he would call us as his disciples to continue to gather together. We see this all throughout Scripture. We know that believers in the New Testament, that believers were gathering together in local churches all around because the Apostle Paul was writing letters to these local gatherings. He would write a letter to the Philippians. He would write a letter to the Colossians. He would write a letter to the, to the Thessalonians. He would write these letters to collective groups or local bodies of believers. And so we know that this is the, the purpose and the plan Uh, that God has for us. And so this morning, what we want to talk about is this, don't give up meeting together or don't give up gathering. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25 is what we're going to be looking at. If you have an electronic device, feel free to open that up. Just stay off of Twitter for a while if you don't mind. Just let's turn to God's Word this morning and look at this passage together. Also, if you don't have a, a Bible with you today, we have it on the screens as well. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25 and you know, Hebrews is a very unique book. It's, it's one of these books in the New Testament that is, is not the easiest of, uh, of letters to understand. We, we really don't even, we're not even convinced we know the author of Hebrews. Uh, typically when you hear this preach, you'll hear pastors who's, who refer to the author as the author of Hebrews because we, we have some idea of who might have wrote it, but it's one of those books It's just not the easiest to understand. But it has a specific purpose. It has a specific purpose, and that purpose is this, to press upon the Hebrew believers, that is the Jewish believers in Christ Jesus, those those Hebrews who had come to know Christ, to press upon them to stand firm in their faith in Christ Jesus. And so there's this unique challenge to the Hebrews to stand firmly rooted in what they have now come to believe, that Jesus is their Savior, that Jesus is the Messiah. And so that's one of the the main purposes of this book. And as we get to our passage today, we begin to also realize that, that this book also challenged the Hebrews to press forward into being disciplined in their faith. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, to be disciplined in our faith. You see, if we don't discipline ourselves to follow Jesus, then the chances of us following him well are pretty much non-existent. We want to be followers of Christ. I love one of the songs that we were singing just a few moments ago. And we, it was a, really a prayer that we were singing, and it was basically this, give us feet to follow you. I love that, that the imagery of that song, give us feet that we may follow you. But I would also say this morning that we need to pray and ask God to give us a heart to follow you as well. Because if the heart isn't intent on following Jesus, the feet will not go in that direction. And so we, we also need to challenge ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves to be the kind of people who have a heart for Jesus, but a heart to follow Jesus and to be disciplined into uh, the disciplines of our faith. And so that's what this passage is about this morning. It, it's, it's one of the ways that the author of Hebrews challenged the Hebrew, Hebrew believers to make sure, to ensure that they're following Jesus and what he would have as his desire 
for them. And so read this with me, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He says this, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is faithful? Amen. Would you give testimony to that this morning, that he is faithful? We know that as believers in Christ Jesus, that he is faithful. And the writer of Hebrews, he just offers testimony to that as well. He is faithful. We know that our Savior is faithful. And then in verse 24, he says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up. Look at this now. Stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day is drawing near. Now here the the writer of Hebrews, he challenges us with this spiritual discipline of drawing near. This is where this text begins, of drawing near. I thought it was interesting in in, in Spence's prayer a while ago, he was praying, God, uh, may we draw near. And it, it, I don't know if he was thinking about what I would be te- uh, preaching on this morning when he prayed that, but he prayed that. And I, and I think that's a, an amazing thing for the, for the believer to pray on a daily basis. God, help us to be disciplined in drawing near. We're going to talk about that here in just a, so- a second. But in verse 22, here's what the text says. Look at this with me. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. There's something tremendous that's being said here in the word of God. And this is where it starts. Now, he's not talking about when he says draw near. He's not talking about us drawing near to each other. He's going to get to that in just a moment. But what he's talking about here is drawing near to God. And so here we see this discipline that is being challenged to us, this this action step that we can take to draw near to God. And And I love this because this term, draw near, is the same term that we saw in Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus chapter 19, if you go back there, you will see this this story unfolding where the people of God, the children of God, they're, they're, they're following God. He has just taken them through the Red Sea, and he's delivered them from Egypt, and, and, and they're making their way, and now they're at Mount Sinai, and, and suddenly God challenges them to draw near. But you see, we see something really remarkable in Scripture because we see the people of God, that is, the Israelites, we see them as, as they are challenged by God to draw near, to discipline themselves, to to come in close, to fellowship with him. We see that the people of God, it says in Scripture, that they stood afar. And God would tell to Moses, he would say, Moses, then you draw near. And I always thought that's such a sad story to me because it's also very relevant to what we see in our country today, in in Christianity today, rather. We see many believers of Christ Jesus who, who God himself, who Christ himself challenges to draw near, and yet, for whatever reason, maybe it's fear that God would call them to do something that they 
they don't feel that they have time to do, or maybe it's just fear that, that God will call them to repent of some sin in their life, or whatever the, the reason, but for whatever reason, we see Christians every day who stand afar from Christ Jesus. Here in this text, this passage, it starts off and it says, let us, let us draw near with a true heart. A heart that's been transformed by the, by the power and the grace of God. A heart that has been, has been drawn near already by the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit in their life. A heart that has been radically changed to not have a love for the world or the flesh, but to have a love for a holy and righteous God. The, chat, the passage that we see here says, let us, in other words, as believers in Christ Jesus, as authentic disciples of Christ, let us draw near to God. It's an invitation from God. It's an invitation from our Savior to come close to to fellowship through redemption, salvation. Christ has given us an invitation to fellowship with him. And so the New Testament here points out to us this, this huge need for us to, to draw near this very personal spiritual discipline that we see here in our text. I love what Matthew Henry says. He says, he says since, since such a way of access and return to God is opened, and it's opened how? It's opened by salvation, by redemption, right? The, the work that Christ accomplished on the cross. Jesus died on the cross that we may have fellowship with a holy and righteous God. And so Matthew Henry says here, since such a way, talking about the work of Christ on the cross, since such a way of access and return to God is opened, it would be the greatest ingratitude and contempt of God and Christ still to keep a distance from him. You see, what Christ has done for each and every one of us as believers in Christ Jesus is he has not only given us an invitation, but he has made it possible that we can share in the presence of God. And so here in the New Testament, we're challenged as believers to, to draw near, to not dare stand afar, but to draw near. And this is where it's just really amazing. You see, God is a searcher of hearts. God is a searcher of hearts. He is seeking after our hearts. And what we see here is that with a true heart and a full assurance of faith, in other words, knowing and believing in God, let us draw near. A few years ago, we did a series here called Matters of the Heart. And one of the questions that we opened up that whole series with in the first sermon of that series is we asked this one question. We asked this question, why are you here? Why are you in this place today? Why did you get up, get dressed, and come to church? You see, church, as far as Christ is concerned, has never been about coming and just 
worshiping together. To, in other words, to, to come and just have a, a church service so that we can check off a list and go home and, and come back next week. That's never been the intention of why Christ founded the church. No, Christ calls us together that collectively as a body can worship him in spirit and truth. And so I pray that you got up this morning and you got dressed and you came to this place so that you could gather with other believers in Christ Jesus and that you could worship God, not be distracted by where you're going to have lunch today. Not worried about whether or not you left the oven on or that you want to eat cheeseburgers. Right? And so we gather in this place that, that as the body of Christ, we could celebrate Jesus together. We gather in this place that we could, we could hear the vision that God is laying out for us to engage in our community to reach others who are in desperate need of Jesus. So we gather in this place for a purpose that is greater than just coming to church. We gather in this place that we can become the church, the body of Christ. And so gathering is very important for us. Gathering is something that we need not neglect. Now I want to I want to look at something, and, and I don't want us to miss this at all. I don't want us to overlook this, the second half of this text, as, as God is challenging us as believers to draw near to him, a very personal thing for us to, to draw near to him. But I want, us to, I want us to look at this because here's where this spiritual discipline that we see here today of gathering becomes about other people. You see, we're here not just for ourselves, we're here for a reason, we're here that we can serve one another, that we can be encouraging to one another, that we can care for one another. So in the text here, it says this in verse 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. In other words, the writer of Hebrews challenges us. He says, in what way can you be the church to each other? And then he says this in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews, he says this, you know what? He says there are some, there are some believers out there who think they can do it all on their own. There are some believers out there who, who have given up on church because they think, well, I need Jesus, but I don't need the church. When the church was Jesus' plan from the beginning. And so there are some, as the scripture testifies, and even we know to be the reality today, there are some who give up on church, on gathering together, gathering with other believers. And this is what we see here in scripture. This morning I want to offer up several important things that we are instructed to discipline ourselves to do as believers in Christ Jesus. Here's three of them. Uh, the first one is this, together we are to build each other up. And this is so important for us to understand. Together, we are to build each other up. Can I just say this this morning? Can I just say that we, we need to get over tearing each other down? 
There is too much of that happening in the world already. There is way too much of that happening in the world already today. But the reality is there is way too much of that happening in the church today. Believers tearing each other down. Believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, attacking one another in various ways. And what the Word of God challenges us with today is to build one another up, not destroy lives within the church, but to build each other up, to encourage and and to challenge one another, to care for one another, to come along beside each other for the purpose of building each other up. Verse 24, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I, I think it's interesting, this, this term, to stir up one another. When we think of that, when we just take that one phrase and we just sort of uh, disassociate it from the, the text that we're reading today, if I were to say to you, we need to go out there and just stir one another up, that, that has a, a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? It, it? it sounds a bit negative, stir each other up. Well, pastor, I, you know, you want me to pop him, you know? What, what, do you, what do you want me to do? No, I don't want you to hit him. I want you to do what Scripture says. Scripture says this. It says, it says here, let us consider how to stir each other up to what? <laughs> that was a question. Y'all, every one of you doing like that video a while ago, you're all, oh, it was for lunch today, you know? What does the Scripture teach us here? It says to stir each other up or to one another up to love and good works. Love. Love one another. Jesus said this when when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said what? Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. They didn't ask him for the second one, but he went ahead and gave it. He said, and love one another as yourself. Why do we tear each other down when what Jesus' instructions to us is to build each other up? So that's the first one. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. It says, let no corrupt talking, uh, talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, there, there just seems to be such a critical spirit that's happening these days. And it's amazing how critical we can be of each other Forgetting that what we deserve because of our sin is eternal separation from God, but yet what He bestows on us is grace. If we've received much grace, why would we not give much grace? You know, I think it's great what we've seen in the last couple of tragedies in our world. I don't mean the tragedies themselves but I'm, I'm talking about first in Charleston and then this past week in, in Chattanooga. We've seen some horrible tragedies take place. But what's been amazing to me about both of those two tragedies that sort of set apart from the other tragedies that we see in our world these days is communities coming together. Communities coming together and saying, you know what, this is tragic, but we're not going to let this destroy our city. One of the greatest challenges that we can take away from this is that as the church, we need to understand the need to build one another up. Are we going to make mistakes among each other? Absolutely. Are we going to offend each other? Absolutely. Those things are going to happen. 
But as the church, we are instructed that Jesus, he says, be there for one another. Stir one another up to love. Here's the second one. Not only are we together to build each other up, but together we are to meet regularly. So are you supposed to come to church? Yes, you're supposed to come to church. Are you supposed to go to life group and Bible studies? And Yes, you're supposed to do that. We see that all through Scripture. Not for the reason of just going to church so you can mark off a list, but so that you can reap the benefits that Christ has instilled in gathering together. You see, Jesus wants us to come together that we can be there for one another. Jesus wants us to come together that together we can make a greater impact on a community. We can feed more hungry people. We can clothe more poor. We can go out and share the gospel in a larger way that more people might come to know Christ as their Savior. We go to church for the right reasons. Not because our parents told us a long time ago that we're supposed to. I mean, they were right in that. But we need to understand as believers in Christ Jesus, the purpose behind gathering together. And we need to meet regularly. In verse 25, it says this, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. The writer of Hebrews, the scriptures teach us this morning that some refuse to gather, but But we should not, as believers or followers of Christ, neglect this. It's by God's design that we gather. And there's a lot of ways that we gather in the church. We gather in our life groups. Life groups are the backbone of our church. Life groups are taking place not because they're just a great idea to to come together, but because we see this in Scripture. We, we, We see in Acts where the disciples, they were meeting in the temple. That's collective gathering. But they were also meeting from house to house. And so what we know is that the Word of God challenges us to not give up gathering, and we can do this in many different ways. And and life groups are one of those ways where we can do life on life with one another. We can be there as care groups for each other. You know, we have a very large church, but life groups and our ministries are one way that we can make this church smaller because we develop those lasting friendships that are so beneficial to us. Ministries is another way. Our women's ministry, our men's ministry, our youth ministry, our college ministry. All the different ministries that we have in place at this church, there are ways that we can gather, celebrate recovery. There's a lot of different ways that we can gather together in this place. We need not give up, need not give up gathering. And then, of course, Sunday morning worship. We need to be here. We need to be a part. Why? Because it's beneficial to us as followers of Christ Jesus. Just recently, I was, I was watching this documentary. It's a story of this young lady who was from Germany, and she decided that she wanted to buy a sailboat and sail around the world solo. She wanted to do that. It's not an uncommon thing. A lot of people do it. But I was just recently watching this story as it unfolded. So she, she went online, and she bought a boat down in Panama, uh, and a sailboat, and so she she flew, she got her life savings, and she flew. She was a young lady. She flew down there. I just really admire her for wanting to go out on such an adventure. But she goes down to Panama, and she, she gets to the boat that she has bought online, basically sight unseen, and the thing is a mess. I mean, there's mold all over it. The paint's peeling off. I mean, it's, it's inoperable. The, the, the engine won't run. There's just 
all these kinds of problems. And so as she's documenting by video her story, her, her journey as being a, a solo uh, sailor around this world, she's showing all these issues. And what you can see is as she tries to fix them, that she doesn't have the understanding of how to repair a diesel engine, or she doesn't know how to strip paint and paint it over. She doesn't really know how to remove the mold. And, and the job becomes very overwhelming for her. She finally gets the boat where she can just kind of get out into the out into the bay and just kind of go around a little bit and she realizes she doesn't even know how to sail. And she comes back and she's so discouraged. She's ready to give up. And she shares this with some of her friends and suddenly Friend after friend flies from Germany and comes over, and one knows how to fix diesel mechanics. So he, he works on the boat, and another one comes, and she puts on her rubber gloves, and she scrubs the mold, and they strip the paint together, and they, they get this done, and they, they paint the boat, and they, they fix the sails, and they, they fix the, the cushions, and they, they do all those kinds of things. And then another buddy who, who she had met there at this marina in Panama he decides he's going to help her learn how to sail. And so she, he takes her out into the bay in this boat that's now sort of a group effort. She goes around and she learns how to sail to where she feels confident now to go up the coast and head toward California where she can sail on her journey. And what she's come to realize in all of that was that it wasn't a solo journey at all. Because she needed other people in her life. She couldn't do it together by herself. She needed others to come along beside her. What a beautiful image of what the church is supposed to do. We may think we can get through this thing called life alone, but I can promise you, you can't. And besides, it's not Jesus' way. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up this is why gathering together is important the final truth that I want to offer to us or a reason why we need not give up together is this is that together we are to encourage one another not only build each other up. You know, when I, when I think about these two terms, and we see this in Scripture, that we are called to build one another up, but we're also called to encourage, I, I begin to wonder, well, what are the differences between the two? And what we, what we begin to see is that in the context of building each other up, many times we can build each other up and be sort of behind the scenes, but encouraging one another is face-to-face. -face. It's literally spending time with one another. One's very supportive, the other one is very personal. And so here we see in verse 24, it says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You know, I, I think it's interesting that we, we see this here because, because this is something that we must do as believers in Christ Jesus. You know, this passage, it started out talking about this, to draw near to God. We see this invitation to, to embrace a spiritual discipline that's very personal, and that is to draw near to God. 
But then what we see as we continue reading in this text is this challenge to also draw near to one another in a loving way, in a supportive way, in a way that we build each other up, and then also not forgetting to encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I love that text. Encourage one another and build each other up. Obviously, revealing to us is that that the, the, the two are, are, are very much different from one another. But, but regardless, both of these are, are, are realities that we should be incorporating into our life as we do life together. You know, one of the things I love about Cross Point Church is this is what I know. That what has happened in this place is not a result of what me or Spence, or the other pastors have accomplished in this place. Cross Point Church is a reality because God intended for it to be. God drew men and women to himself, and God began to reveal to men and women, I want you to gather in this place together for a unique purpose and plan and vision that I have for a city. You know, I know a lot of you weren't here back in the day when we were in Remerton in a little warehouse. Can I tell you about our children's ministry back then? <laughs> it was in a kitchen next to a stove. It was, it was a dangerous place to have children. It, it, wasn't a very, it wasn't a very good place, but it was the only place we had to put children. And, and then we, we sort of outgrew the kitchen, so what we did is we moved them out in the hall right in front of the bathrooms. We just lay, we lay some carpet down for them to crawl on, you know, and that was our children's ministry. I tell you that, I tell you that because I want you to understand something. There was nothing attractional about Cross Point Church to the community. When you walked in, there was nothing that you go, I love how they are doing that. Children in the hallway in front of the bathroom, I never thought of that. That's thinking outside the box. There was, I mean, families would come in and they'd go, whoa, and they'd just take them right on back out, you know. It, it was like, whoa, call us when you get a real building, you know. There was nothing attractional on that, but you know what was really remarkable? That God, as God drew people unto himself, and he began to transform hearts, hearts began to realize that they belonged together, even if it was in a warehouse, even if it was in a warehouse. That's what God does in a place. That's why we gather together. It's because this is God's plan for us. Not because we're checking off a box that said we went to church this week, but because we desire more than anything to follow and worship Jesus. And for whatever reason, he has brought us together. We may not always agree on things. We may always see things differently than one another. That's what makes this so special, is that God takes people that are radically different from each other, and he brings them together to be the body of Christ. Together we are to encourage one another 
Philippians 2, 3 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. This morning, as we come to a close, I would love if we would just consider what it means to draw near to God. The way this text began. This morning as we prepare to pray and as we prepare to sing that last song, I just pray that we would be challenged to think about what it means to draw near to God and to ultimately draw near to each other. Because I believe that both of those things are what Christ would have us to do. It begins with drawing near to Him, but it results in drawing near to each other. And so this morning, I can't think of a greater thing to think about and to reflect on as our band prepares to come up here and lead us in a time of worship as we sing that last song. I can think of nothing greater than to think of than this, is to to ask ourselves, to challenge ourselves, are we standing distant to God? Are, Are we allowing as believers who have been radically transformed by the presence of the Holy God Are we as believers taking him up on his invitation to come close, to draw near, and to discover a relationship with Jesus that maybe we've never discovered before? What it means to truly walk with him. And I pray that that results in us getting tighter and tighter and tighter as a faith family. Knowing that God is unstoppable, but what he creates in us is that same thing. Bound together by the power of God in our life. This morning, as I pray and as we sing, let us respond to a holy and righteous God. Let us draw near that God would radically teach us something and allow Him to do the work that needs to take place in here. With a sincere heart, with a true heart, let us respond. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You, God, for all that You are. Lord, we thank You for the the opportunity that we have to gather in this place where we can come and remember you and worship you and, and God, just get to know you. And Father, I realize that right now there's, there's some that are probably here that have been keeping their distance from you. Maybe it's because of the busyness of summer. Maybe it's because we've been distracted by the, the things of this world. Maybe it's because we just haven't felt like it. But God, I pray that for each and every one of us today, that today would be a day of of renewal. That today would be a day where we we challenge ourselves and discipline ourselves to, to draw near to you that we may be filled with your presence. And that we would be equipped to walk with you in this world that quite honestly can be so discouraging. 
Father, I pray that we as the church would understand that, that God, church is not just simply a service that takes place on Sunday morning, but it's a body of believers who have come together for a greater purpose. A purpose to worship you and to adore you and to hear from you and to respond to you. Help us, Father, to know, God, the reason that you have us in this place is that, that we can accomplish much together and be there for one another. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name.